0: Welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. So worship is just not a song that we sing. It's a posture that we have. I think that Jake shared that beautifully as he welcomed us in this morning because when we worship God, we're responding with praise to the gift of grace that he's given us, that we can rest in that, that we can thank God and and we can live that out. Our life can be this sacrifice of worship that no matter what we do, we're ascribing value to God in the way that we live out our lives. I just wanna pray over us in this space here now before we grab a seat. God, I thank you that you're here. As we pray and we declare that we worship you, we know that you're filling this place that you are in this space right now, whether in this room or online or in the future, but we know that your hand is on it. We pray for your favor and your blessing in all circumstances. We pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would lead and guide us today. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So go ahead, say what's up to some people as you grab a seat, maybe an air high five, say what's up. If you're joining us online, we'd love it if you'd say hi in the comments section. We're thankful that you're with us today. Man, who's happy that the rain held off so we could get to church? Who's at home thinking it was gonna rain, but it didn't? We miss you though. I feel it in this room though today. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes, sir. Yeah, thank you, thank you. This is a proactive space, you know? So we love it if you respond. If God's saying something to your heart, whatever he's putting in there when something is said, you can go ahead and say amen. That's good. And I'll always joke that if it's not good, we'll save that till after service. Fair enough? (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us today. If you're a guest with us, my name is TJ. My wife, Melissa and I are lead pastors here at Soul Revival Church. And we're excited to be at the branch and we have a space that we can come together. God says that we should come together. This is like our huddle, our weekly huddle to come together to respond with praise to God and have him speak to us so that we can go out and live the rest of our weeks pointing people to Jesus. Because our hope is not just to come together and have a little powwow. Our hope is to see an impact. The name of our church is Soul Revival Church because we want to see dead things come to life. We want to see God use us to impact and change our community. And it's only because we love God and we love people. The two most important things, Jesus breaks it down for us, love God, love people. And we want to do both of them as best as we can in all circumstances. So if you haven't been with us or this is your first time with us in a long time, we're in a summer series right now called Summer Mixtape. And it's been really fun as we've had a collection of talks where uh, God's speaking different things to us as a church and we get to share them. And then as a church family, we get to respond to what he's doing and what he's saying. And in the Summer Mixtape today, we're going to be in Isaiah 41. Now, just to let you know, the Bible's not something you need to be intimidated by. It's not something that you need to feel is this book filled with rules that here's what you do in order for God to love you. The Bible's a love story about a God that created us, the mistakes we made that separated us from God, but he sent Jesus to rectify it, to bring reconciliation, to bring restoration between us and him. And this is how we do that. And here's how we live a life so that we're not being hit with so much heartache and pain that might be self-inflicted at times. It gives us guidelines to live a life because God wants to protect us from pain. Amen? Amen. So Isaiah 41, verse 10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you're here. I pray that you would help me get out of the way. Whatever it is that you're speaking today that you've got for someone's heart, that uh, your spirit would speak it right to it, that it would penetrate hearts and impact and change lives. I thank you for this moment that we can rest in and pray that you would help guide us to live it out in our daily walk. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Do we have any Marvel fans in here? Anybody watching all the movies? just a few people. There's like 24 of them so far. Um, and here's the thing, with our kids, we're kind of protective of the content that hits them. Um, and we found this cool new app called ClearPlay, which was pretty sweet because you can go to the browser and watch movies and then you pick like, I want to take out swear words, I want to take out like different kind of content. so. I won't, I'm not gonna plug them too much more, but the, the fact of the matter is our kids have been begging us to watch the Marvel movies forever. And at the last day of school, we said, we'll start watching them. And this is gonna be the summer of Marvel. And we'll try to watch two a week, maybe sometimes a little bit more than that, so we can get through them all by the end of summer. And it's been a blast and it's been really cool because we've been able to use this app to ensure like we're still enjoying it, but also protecting their little hearts and their little ears. As you know, as parents, we have that responsibility to raise them up the best that we can. Um, And that's no judgment for anybody who hasn't done that. You know, everyone has their own conviction. So I just want you to know that too. Um, So don't even feel any kind of thing right now because that's not what it's about. But I will tell you, yesterday we watched Thor Dark World and I'm like, man, it was a sequel from Thor's first movie. And there were so many similarities from our message last week, which was awesome. So there will be no spoiler alerts, okay? I'm just gonna let you know that the very beginning of it, there's a battle and this giant comes and he comes out at him and they're kind of laughing. I'm like, oh, that kind of reminds me of Goliath right there. And then he slays them quickly and that's the opening scene. And then there was a whole lot more about another enemy that came, this other darkness because of the dark world. I'm like, man, God is so good because I'd already message prep before today and this is what we watched. I'm like, that's perfect. Because today's message, if you're taking notes, is Giant Slayer 2. Giant Slayer 2. Everybody loves a sequel. So if you weren't here last week, last week was Giant Slayer. And we got to learn about David and we got to learn about him fighting Goliath and this giant that is the enemy because the enemy will try to strike us in three different ways. There's lots of different ways, probably more than the three, but the three we looked at last week were that, he'll try to cause fear in a blanket, in a group setting by what he's saying and speaking into your ear. He'll try to cause fear by talking to you directly. And then lastly, he will attack like the giant came at him. But there were some other giants we talked about. We talked about the giant of family And that's a real thing, Um, whether it's because you had a lack of family or maybe you're trying to live up to expectations within a family, maybe it's a sibling or a parent that just said one thing in your life, but it just hits your heart hard. Um, I won't say too much because if you missed it, you can go back and watch it online anytime Um, or in our archive, you can listen to it as a podcast if you're trying to watch your data based on your limitations. Nobody? Everybody's got unlimited data nowadays. Cool. Then watch the video. And the third giant was superiority. You know, sometimes when people are above us and in different spaces, it can be hard to to kind of look at what we need to do and how we need to respond and ensuring that we're trusting God. And through David's life, we got to see that there is a God confidence that he had. This confidence because of his proximity to God that allowed him to respond and what God had called him to do despite what was happening around him, despite any giant that he was facing. And ultimately he slayed Goliath. Can I get an amen? And we're gonna pick up right there. That's been also what's cool about it. Cause you know, we've been watching these movies forever and it's like two years that pass, a year that passes and you watch when you're like, I know they're connected, but how so? But then you start watching them in succession. And you're like, oh, that went there, that went there. So I'm gonna do that for you today with giant slayer too. Is that cool? Because that's not where the story ended for, for David. So after David slayed Goliath and he had a conversation with Saul and then met Saul's son, Jonathan and they became like bonded brothers for life. Saul started putting them into these military campaigns. And that's what we're gonna pick up today in 1 Samuel 18, five. It says, whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. So he was finding the success because he was a man after God's own heart. And Saul put him in these positions and he's fighting these different battles and he's fighting for the army of God. And he's finding success as we go, and everybody's pumped. But then it continues, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, this is a different Philistine, he was slaying Philistines all over the place. But after he had killed a Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. Can you imagine, like you're coming back from battle and they're just playing your favorite mixtape? You're like, oh, I'm pumped. You can hear the beat from a distance. Like when you walked up to Soul of Revival and you heard the music and you couldn't help but like get pumped about it. I'm just picturing Saul right there. Like he's getting pumped. Like, all right, I'm used to this. We win a lot of battles. They're about to sing a song for me. Guess how this song went. You ready? 1 Samuel 18:7. As they danced, they sang, Saul is slain his thousands and David is tens of thousands. Saul is slain his thousands. David is tens of thousands. Like, man, What? Like, Saul, did I hear that correctly? Like, yeah, they praise him for thousands, but David, tens of thousands? Talk about a mixtape. It's summertime. You find that favorite song that you keep playing on repeat? This song's now playing on repeat, and Saul's just listening to it. Slate is thousands, but David is tens of thousands. Like, what? Reminded me of Uncle Jesse in Full House. Remember when he got kicked out of the Rippers, and then that dude filled his spot, and they started having this success? Every radio station he went to, they heard it. You might not remember that, but now you're remembering it. Don't lie to me like you didn't watch Full House. (laughs) But now, no matter where he's at, this is what Saul's hearing. And then Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him. I'm in 1 Samuel 18, 8 to 9. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands? What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David how do you respond when someone else finds success? And Saul knows that God's hand was lifted off of him because God had given him particular instructions as the first king of Israel, and he didn't didn't trust God. He didn't follow God's calling. So God lifted his hand of favor from him as the king, and David was anointed to be the next king. Whether or not Saul knew that at this point or not we're a little uncertain, but Saul knew that the hand wasn't on him anymore. So he was living in fear, you know, and sometimes when people have success, we find ourselves comparing like, all right, they're doing so awesome. So I'm going to get really upset because I'm not getting the praise that they're getting. And he assumed the worst about David because he's thinking he's just going to try to take over my kingdom now. Saul is thinking all of these bad things about him. And this is what's really important. When you see somebody that is finding success, and even particularly other people that are following Jesus, if God's using them to do some awesome things, do not compare your walk with theirs. Don't do it. And as you see God using them, don't sit there thinking, man, well, they're thinking this about me. I'm not saying you're not important, but most people are just thinking more about what they're doing than how it's impacting you and how you're feeling from it. Somebody need to hear that today. What we need to do as followers of Jesus is to assume positive intent. So whatever someone's doing, we can celebrate what's happening and how God's using them. But we don't need to get it all up in our feelings and thinking about, oh, this is about me. How's this going to impact me? How's this going to take away from people looking at me? But say, it's cool if God's using somebody else. Because ultimately, there are things happening for God's kingdom. He's seeing victory. We celebrate his victory. And as followers of Jesus, we want to see as many people get to know Jesus as possible. I don't care how that happens, who it happens, what church it happens through. We're going to celebrate when people say yes to a relationship with Jesus. That is what we do. Yes, we can celebrate that. But that leads us to our fourth giant, and that's a frenemy. I know some people heard that term before, but I'm going to give you a definition if you have not. Webster said it as this. You think Webster's the name of the person? Probably not. It's just Webster's Dictionary. At what point did he hand it over the reins to somebody else? Sorry, I'm just giving you a glimpse into my mind. I started thinking weird stuff. Frenemy, a person with whom one is friendly despite a fundamental dislike or rivalry. Or a person who combines the characteristics of a friend and an enemy. And Saul has become a frenemy. Whether David realizes it or not, but this is a giant that David is now facing. It's fun when we slay giants, when God uses us to do that and we have these victories. But the important reason and the reason why we're looking at this today is because sometimes we get out of a victory and then we hit a valley. We feel another attack and then we think, man, I'm not doing what God's called me to do. Every story is not like riding off into the sunset and it's all good. Once they get to the sunset, something else happens. Just because the credits roll, something else is happening. And that's what I love about these Marvel movies because there's always another villain that comes and there is a great depiction. It's so cool. You watch these movies and if you read the Bible enough, you'll be like, oh, that's from the Bible. That's from the Bible. They're stealing all kinds of content from the Bible because the Bible is the greatest story ever told. There's some savage stuff that happens. And as... As we look at it, we have to understand, like David started facing more giants. When you beat a big giant, normally there's a bigger giant that follows. I'm just being real with you. We're never gonna sugarcoat it. When you start stepping into your purpose and what God's calling to you you too, you will see more giants. But how do you respond and are you prepared? And that's what we're gonna learn from David today. Because Saul's focus was on the praise of people, but David's focus was in a different place. David was more focused on giving praise than getting praise. I'm going to say that again. He was more focused on giving praise than getting praise. And if we walk with that kind of posture, and I love, again, prep for the message, and that song plays, and we're like, yep, that's the response song. Sometimes we have that plan in advance. Other times it's in the morning, right? Naomi, Becky, walk up like, what's our response song? This one. And the reason why we have a song at the end of service, and if you're asking what's the response song if you're a guest with us, is because we want to respond to what God's been speaking to our hearts throughout the service. Was we're talking about worship and the importance of it, and that being praise. David responds with praise. But from who? And for who? He's praising God, and Saul's looking for the praise from people. So the next day, 1 Samuel eighteen ten, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre as he usually did. Two things we need to break out here. First, the evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. Some people think, man, God put an evil spirit? Like what it's trying to let us know is that when his hand of favor came off, it, it opened up the opportunity for the enemy to come in. There's nothing evil about God. Nothing about God is evil, but there are times where he might lower his hedge of protection over you because he wants to teach you something. Read Job. That'll that'll let you know everything you need to know about it. And if you want to know where's Job in the Bible, the, the book of the Bible is called Job, and you can find it in the front. But read about that, and this will explain that further for you. But it's not God doing something evil to him. He's allowing it to happen to Saul. Sometimes... God has to allow some things to happen to us that we don't understand in the moment, but he's using it to do something in our hearts to prepare us for what's next. Think about this message in two ways. What if you're Saul and what if you're David? Because if we have those eyes, because we all fall in each category at times, it'll help us grow more. It'll help our relationship with Jesus grow more. But, and prophesying just means he was blurting stuff out, you know, It's not the same form of prophesying as the gift of prophecy. It's a different interpretation. When things get brought from a different language to English, sometimes there's only one word you can call it. So he's not prophesying for God's favor. He's just blurting some stuff out. But anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. I like to study the Bible. I'm a nerd, okay? But it says David was playing the lyre as he usually did. Woo! Look at the humility and honor that David has despite the heroics he's seen. He's been fighting battles. See, when he was just a shepherd boy, he would go play the year for Saul, the Lear for Saul. He would play worship music. He would worship God to help Saul in moments of difficulty and tragedy and the internal fights that he was having. He went out, won all these battles and he's still right there, despite how Saul's feeling about him too. Again, whether he knew it or not, he's about to, and I'm gonna share it with you. But he's still playing worship for him. He had this God confidence. The same way he responded to go fight the giant when everyone thought he didn't have what it took. The same humility he goes in and leads worship in, despite the fact he's now seen that success and people are looking at him with favor. And he says, I still have the humility to go and serve the king. Sometimes God uses you to do some things and you still have to have that humility to say I'm willing to serve and to submit to something else because God's saying I need to do this. Because David, a man after God's own heart, he has this humility and this willingness to submit to what God's calling him to do and to do the things that other people might think you're above. Sometimes we just have to say, I'm I'm good to go below. So how do we respond to success? What does that look like for us? Think about that sometimes. Because God wants to continue to grow our hearts. He has a heart for the humble, but he opposes the proud. So praying for God to help us in humility And David had it. But here's how Saul responded. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. You know about this battle, right? You heard of David and Goliath. But what about the spear versus the (laughs) leer? Thanks, babe. I appreciate you laughing at my jokes. Saul's got a spear getting ready to chuck it at him. And he's just sitting there playing like, I'm going to keep worshiping. I wonder if his eyes were closed and his one hand raised, because David's that good. He probably could play with one hand, praising God, and that spear comes, he's just like. Who wants to help me write a movie? We can bring this to life. See, but look at, check this out. But David eluded him twice. He threw a spear at him once and he stayed there. What? I don't know about you, peace, I'm out. One spear is enough, but twice, twice. And David, David here is modeling Jesus' words. A lot of what David does here is, is a, a mirror image of the way that Jesus lives out his ministry. And Jesus in Matthew 5, 38 to 39 says, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And David models it. Now, I had a conversation with a friend this morning, and when God does this and the Holy Spirit aligns stuff, there's a conviction that happens, and it's awesome when it's always perfect and on time. Because my friend served in the military and had a conversation with me as we were talking about turn the other cheek. So there's a difference here, too, because we each have our own conviction in the Holy Spirit and what God's leading and guiding us do. So there's people in the military that serve to protect our country. So this is not saying we shouldn't go and fight because as we're learning about David right here, he's going out fighting battles. But it's the kind of battles that we fight. There's the ones where we're protecting something based on our conviction of what the Holy Spirit says, whether we're protecting our nation or we're protecting our families. But then there's the type of, all right, someone's coming at me and normally this is gonna be a spiritual battle. They say something to you don't like, and you got a real good comeback too, but you decide to just let it settle, not say anything else, let them come with something else. So there's a key differentiator there that I do think is important to share because we value and we love and we honor our troops and those that protect our country because we have the freedoms today because of it. So there's a different kind of battle, different battles we face and it's, am I protecting something or am I just lashing out about something? But David turns the other cheek because he's submitting to the king. Regardless of the fact that God's favor might have been lifted from Saul and David knows that he was anointed to be the future king, he knew that Saul was still the king right then. Still, though, that second spear, come on, man, I'm out of here. (laughs) But 1 Samuel 18, 12 to 13, it says, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men and David led the troops in their campaigns. See, this is funny too, talk about frenemy. So I'm gonna get back to that definition. He empowered him to try to devour him. He empowered him to go lead the armies, but it wasn't so that he can continue to have success. He wanted the enemy to devour him. Okay, like, hey, I didn't get you with the spear and people probably looked at him a little crazy, like you're just about to try to kill our best warrior. <laughs> So he decides, well, let's just send him out to some more battles. Let's allow the enemy to take care of it and take them out. And there's some people that might try to put you in traps and put you in different places. Or maybe sometimes that might be you doing that to somebody else. But we have to have this conviction to say, all right, God, what are you calling me to do in this moment? And David, still honoring of the king, goes. And in everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. So David continued to have success. So no matter what Saul's doing to try to put him in a pit, to try to get the enemy to conquer him, he continues to have success. But now that he's like the Admiral, I think that's like the highest level in military, one of the highest. No one wants to help me out, that's cool. (laughs) It is a high rank. So I'm just like envisioning him at the top of the military spectrum. So Saul, would show like he's a friend because he keeps elevating him, but really he wants his demise, but everything Saul keeps doing is actually just elevating him for more success. And when the favor of God is on him, David just needs to keep focusing with that God confidence. So for some of you today, I don't care what anyone's doing to you, continue to follow God and what he's calling you to do. Assume positive intent, even if they don't have it, that's cool because you're only responsible for your response. So how are we walking in step with following God and what he's calling us to do? See, but when Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. Man. See, Saul's fear was being caused by the fame David was accumulating. But David's focus was on his faith. He wasn't worried about any fame, which is why he allowed himself to have the humility to still lead worship for Saul it didn't get to his head. And then Saul's like, well, let me offer you my daughter. First daughter, he's like, no, I'm just not worthy of that. Second daughter, her name is McCall. And he's like, okay, but I I feel like I got to do something. And Saul's like, all right, go ahead and get a hundred foreskins and bring them back. It's gross, right? It's in the Bible, just saying what's happening in the Bible. But again, he's offering his daughter putting it at a price to try to bring David down again. And David goes and he comes back with 204 skins. Like, is he the one who had to bring him back? Did his men help him out? I don't know. <laughs> See, but again, Saul's plan is continuing to elevate David because now he comes back with success. So now he marries into the family. Now Saul's his father-in-law. Now he is for real in line to come to the throne, like legitimately. God can put anyone there he wants to, but Saul keeps doing stuff to try to take David down and God's using it to say, nope, I'm actually using it to continue to elevate him. Again, when we walk with God confidence and we trust in the Lord and where he's leading us, God will use it for our good, even if it doesn't feel like it in the moment. But Saul becomes still more afraid, 1 Samuel 18, 29, and he remained his enemy or frenemy the rest of his days. He's like, man, none of this is working. I couldn't kill him with the spear, Send him off in a battle. He comes back victorious, give him a daughter. And then he goes to his son, Jonathan. He's like, Hey, I need you to kill him, kill David. But he didn't realize Jonathan and David were super tight. So then he's like, no, we can't kill him. So Jonathan convinces his dad not to kill David, which is awesome. But then it brings us to first Samuel nine, eight to nine. And once more war broke out and David went out and fought the Philistines so Saul got over it, kind of, and now was sending him out to fight some more Philistines and he struck them with such force that they fled before him. But an evil spirit from the Lord came on Saul as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand while David was playing the lyre. Like, David, I thought we figured this out. This is not deja vu. This is happening again. Fought a battle, he won, come back, still having the humility to play worship for Saul. And Saul's there with his spear again. This is Spear verse Lear 2. I feel confident in the level of elevation and the laughter the second time around. We're getting there. And then Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear. So this time he came at him. Like, I'm not just going to throw it. I'm going to come get him. But David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall. That night, David made good his escape. Whew, good. Finally, he learned, right? One time was enough the second time around. And He's out. But sometimes things happen to us and we feel like, man, we've got to retreat. Sometimes it's okay and it's safe. Sometimes you have to protect yourself from certain relationships. But as he does it now, Saul's daughter helps him escape. Then David goes to Samuel, which is the one who anointed him to be the future king. And he's like, hey, can you help me out here? Well, then Saul actually chases after him. I'm giving you some like highlights here. These are like cliff notes. And then he comes, ends up prophesying, gets naked. It's weird, but it happened. Read the Bible. (laughs) But he continues to come after him. So then David runs to Jonathan. And then Jonathan goes back to his dad. And he's like, no, it's cool. I talked to him. He's not going to kill you. And then Jonathan talks to Saul and comes back. He's like, all right, you were right. He wants to kill you. (laughs) So then he sends him off. So then David flees again. He goes, talks to a priest, like, hook me up with some food and a weapon, please. Gives him some manna. Gives him bread, but manna, I just felt like saying. And he gives him a sword. Guess what sword he gives him? He gives him the sword of Goliath. The sword that after he went slay Goliath, he took his own sword and <laughs> cut his head off. Somehow this priest ended up with it, and he's giving it back to David. And it gets me for some reason, because now David, he's on the run. He's fleeing. But somehow, don't you think this sword would be this reminder of, hey, remember this battle? Remember what you're capable of through me, because you're trusting in me? And he takes the sword. But then he runs to another country called Gath. And while he's there, they're like, aren't you David? Aren't you supposed to be like the giant slayer? Why are you running and hiding out here? So then he pretends to be crazy. (laughs) So that they would let him go. Talk about a wild ride, right? I, I'm sharing all these things because there's highs and lows to it and he is on the run for his life right now. And there's giants that we face in our life and we see victory over, but then we get so discouraged when we see another giant. Or we forget about what God did for us in the, the, the battle before and we're not trusting him confidently in what he wants to do for us now. But then David left Gath and escaped to a cave of Adalim. When his brothers and father's household heard about it, they went to him there. He's in a cave. He's hiding out in a cave. And I'm wondering, what is David thinking? What's going on in his mind? Because Saul's trying to kill him. He's tried multiple times. He's seen favor, but still now he's off running and he's bouncing from place to place to place. And then he finds himself in this cave. Guess what? We get to find out what he's thinking. We get to find out how he responds. Psalm 57, this is his cry in the cave. It doesn't say that in the Bible, that's what I call it. It says something else like David sings a song in the cave. Cry in the cave though, that's what I'm calling it. And he says, have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me for in you, I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster is past. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. When he's afraid, his response right now is to say, I need to praise God. I need to praise who he is. When you're going through the most challenging and difficult times and the times that you feel is you're the furthest from God and you just wanna depart and run away and hide or that he's not with you, try this for me. Turn around and just declare his praises. Yes, shout out the promises that he's declared over your life because I feel like he's finally gotten to this point and he's hiding out in this cave and he's like, how did I get here? Well, let me go back to the person that has protected me all of my days, against the lion, against the bear, against the giant. He's still with me right now. Verses three to four, he sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Lions and beasts. Like, in his mind, is he thinking of these lions and these bears? And he's saying, God, you can have the victory. I'm surrounded by it. But I remember past battles that you brought glory through. And I trust you for it now. So I'm going to exalt your name because I have no other choice but to submit to you. Because I know you're the only way out. We gotta be willing to say yes to God no matter what we're facing. Even if you found yourself in a cave and you don't know how you got there, it is not too late, you can praise God. You can praise him for the breakthrough that you haven't even seen yet because you know what he's done in your past. And if you're here today and you're breathing, he has saved you and brought you to this place for a purpose. No matter what heartache, what pain, anything that you've been through, the fact that you are still living and breathing mean he's not done with you yet. Yes. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into into it themselves. My heart, oh God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I feel like he's just reminding himself. He says it twice to say, God, my heart is steadfast. You ever say something that you might not fully believe in the moment? So he says it again because he wants to believe that in his heart so badly. We need to want to believe that. Sometimes just wanting to believe it is enough for the moment. Even if you don't fully feel it, just say, God, I want to feel that though. I want to believe that. Please help me feel that. Feel your presence. Feel and know that you are with me. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples for great is your love. Reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God. Above the heavens, let your glory be over all the earth. to have a glimpse into him in that cave and how he's responding. And you need to know that your worship is a weapon. Your worship is a weapon. And right there, that's what David was doing. His worship was a weapon. He's saying, you know what? I feel so defeated. He even has the sword of Goliath, but he responds with worship because he said, that's the weapon that I need right now. I exalt you, God, because I know you're in control. I will not fear because I know that you are with me. Some of you, that's the first step. You've just got to know that no matter what cave you feel like you're in, God is with you and he will not leave you or forsake you. He will give you strength to endure, but you have to have the God confidence to be willing to praise him no matter what you're facing. And you're not alone in it. We all face struggles and trials and, Expectations that we don't see come through or that path that we thought for sure God was leading us down but is taking so much longer than we thought it should have but saying you know what God despite any of that I will still praise you because there's breath in my lungs I will still trust you because I know you have called us to this no matter what you are facing God is still with you and this is the reminder that David is telling himself as he's sitting there in the cave and then guess what happens next First Samuel 22:2. all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. God gave him an army. You might say, yeah, that sounds like a ragtag bunch. People probably thought that about Jesus, too, when he called fishermen and zealots and tax collectors. Right. He will take the least of these and build an army. I don't care how you feel right now like us. I feel like as Soul Revival Church, I don't care what we've been through individually or collectively. God's saying, you know what? I'll take a ragtag bunch. I'm not calling you ragtag. I'll call myself that all day, though. But he's saying, watch what I can do. I want to unite you. I want to empower you. I want to use you. But the next steps from there, as David has this 400... Then he goes and drops his parents off because now he feels like he's on a mission. Then he defeats some Philistines to help another country. And then this happens in 1 Samuel 23, 16 to 17. Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Haresh and helped him find strength in God. He encouraged him. He put courage into him. So he responded with praise. God surrounds him with people. But then he brings some along to put courage into him, someone that he is close with, which is actually Saul's son. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. This is huge because Jonathan is the rightful heir to the throne. But he comes and puts courage into David. And some of you need to know, you need to surround yourself in community because God will give you a John for your giant. He will give you someone that will put courage into you to be able to speak life into you. A core value at Soul Revival Church is that we are better together because we know God has created us for community. So when you're facing a giant, first of all, if you're not in community, you can find yourself like you're floating on an island and you have no desire to leave the cave because even as you're talking to God, no one's coming and reaffirming that to you. But when you live in a community, and all are welcome here, Jake said it best, you don't have to believe to belong. This is a place all that are welcome. And as we find community and we can encourage one another in the Lord the way that John did for David, it'll help build you up and you'll have that God confidence like David had. But he needed that to be restored and it started with his praise to God and then God put people in his life to help encourage him and raise him up. And still, Saul's in hot pursuit. But things start to shift a little bit. Because instead of David retreating wherever he can go, I'm going to ask the keys to come up, please, Naomi. Both Naomi and Becky are dope on the keys and they like switch off. So I had to think for a moment, who's on the keys today? But instead of hiding out in fear, he starts like strategically camping out in different places. Because then a different cave pops up and Saul's in it. And David's there with Goliath's sword. Everyone's like, this is your chance. Take him out. So he creeps up on him and sh- cuts off a little corner of his cloak. Got you, Debbie. But in that moment, he even felt like, man, that's, that's God's appointed king right now. He felt regret for even cutting that part of his cloak. But watch this, because he lets Saul know that he was there. Comes out of the cave and he yells to Saul and says, this day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. Talk about humility. I think it all started from the worship he gave to God. The fact that he was praising God for who he was and saying, you'll handle this, I don't need to. Sometimes you're trying to handle things on your own that are not yours to handle. You need to trust God and be patient and humble yourself. We've all been there, try to take things on our own, carry it on our shoulders. And God's like, let me lift that from your shoulders. That's not your burden to bear. See, a weapon for one battle might not be the same weapon you need for another one. The weapon I want is a weapon of worship. Because as I praise God, He'll guide us in how we should respond to different circumstances. Then a second opportunity comes up to kill Saul. First one, he's in a cave and he was hiding out. Now, his God confidence is continuing to increase. This time, Saul's asleep in his little tent, and David creeps up on him, goes into his tent. Wonder if he whispers something into his ear. (laughs) Takes his spear and his jug of water. He must have been thirsty. I don't know why else the Bible shared it. Maybe I'll study that more someday. But he took his water and his spear (laughs) and vamped out. Second opportunity to kill him, and he didn't. But he always lets him know. And in 1 Samuel 26, 23, David says, the Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. Righteousness means right with God. Through Jesus, we are all right with God. and He'll reward us through that. Nothing that we can do the lord delivered you into my hands today but i would not lay a hand on the lord's anointed again he humbles himself and ultimately saul would find himself in a battle that they were about to be defeated in and he takes his own life by the sword but in second samuel it even says david's lament for saul and jonathan despite everything that saul had ever done to him despite the fact that he was a frenemy Second, Saul 123 says, Saul and Jonathan, in life, they were loved and admired and in death, they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. Such honor for someone that had been trying to kill him for so long and David will become king. He was 30 when he became king. After this had taken place, they elevated him into that position. When he beat Goliath, he was maybe 15 to 17, like nobody knows for sure. But let's just say about 15 years, he's on the run from Saul. He's got Saul coming after him. But the moment that Saul dies, he still gives him honor. We are only responsible for our response. And and there are some enemies that we might be fighting and sometimes it might be a frenemy and they might not even realize that that's what they're doing to you because they're just so consumed with their own insecurities and inadequacies. But you just need to say, God, I'm trusting in you because I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you are calling me to. And Jesus modeled this perfectly for us. People were trying to kill him. They were coming after him. Despite the battles he was winning, despite the fact that miracles were being performed and people's lives were being transformed, the religious people were still coming after him the same way that Saul continued to go after David, but Jesus heart still broke for everyone. And as he calls us to turn the other cheek, if we continue on from there in Matthew 5:43, it says, "You have heard that it was said, love your enemy and hate your love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you." that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will it get you? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father. Jesus modeled what it looks like to love all people at all times. Even when the religious people were coming at him, his rebukes were out of love because he just so desperately wanted them to get it right. But as he says, it's so easy to love people that love me. Well, how much harder is it to love people that don't like me? And it's praying and asking for that heart. And Jesus did it so much so that as he was being put on that cross, he still declared that he wanted the Roman soldiers that were there to know who God was. His heart and his desire was for people to have the relationship with his father in heaven restored. That's why he went to the cross and paid the ultimate price of his life. He was inflicted and he was beaten. He had a spear put into his side. And as he cried out his last breath, wanted nothing more but for people to know that he died for them that they could have a relationship with God through Jesus he is the perfect David David made a whole lot of other mistakes maybe we'll get into another time but he fought some giants and his response to that was always to trust in God and Jesus came as this perfect David he is God he is one with God and he was there at the beginning and he came and he died for us so we could have that direct relationship Some of you have never said yes to a relationship with Jesus before, and we want to give you an opportunity to respond. Others of you have, and you might be feeling right now, yeah, but I don't know if I've been following him and really trusting in him the way that I should. So I'm gonna ask everyone in this space here today, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes. And when I get to three, I want you to shoot your hand up if, if it applies to you. If you say, yes, I want that relationship with Jesus and I've never made that decision before, or maybe if You've been out of step or you feel like you haven't been trusting in God. You've been hiding out in that cave and you wanna say, yes, Jesus, I want you. I want a relationship with you so that I can walk with you so that I can have boldness and confidence in you. This is for you. One, just know that Jesus loves you no matter what you've done. He will meet you exactly where you're at and he died for you so that you don't have to carry that burden. Two, just know that you will never be alone again, that God will not only be there for you, but he will bring a John for your giant. He will bring people into it with you. And three, if that's you, could you shoot your hand in the air today? Shoot it really high. If that's you online, you can throw it in the comments section. But God is with anyone who makes that decision today. And he is with anyone in this space who's walking in step with him. And even those that haven't made that decision yet, he loves you and will meet you where you're at. Let me pray right now. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are here and that you are with us. We know that you'll never leave us or forsake us. We are sorry where we fall short, but God, we believe that you died for our sin. We believe that you rose from the dead and that you are seated on high right now with our Father in heaven. We're sorry for our mistakes and we are so thankful that you forgive us of all of them. God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.